Book six, chapter two of the Wars of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Wars of the Jews by Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Chapter two. How Titus gave orders to demolish the tower of Antonia, and then persuaded Josephus to exhort the Jews again to a surrender. 1. And now Titus gave orders to his soldiers that were with him to dig up the foundations of the tower of Antonia, and make him a ready passage for his army to come up, while he himself had Josephus brought to him. For he had been informed that on that very day, which was the seventeenth day of Panamus, Tammuz, the sacrifice called the daily sacrifice had failed, and had not been offered to God, for want of men to offer it, and that the people were grievously troubled at it. Footnote. This was a remarkable day indeed, the 17th of Panamus, Tammuz, A.D. 70, when, according to Daniel's prediction, 606 years before, the Romans in half a week caused the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Daniel 9, verse 27. For from the month of February, A.D. 66, about which time Vespasian entered on this war, to this very time, was just three years and a half. See Bishop Lloyd's Tables of Chronology, published by Mr. Marshall on this year. Nor is it to be omitted, what year nearly confirms this duration of the war, that four years before the war begun, was somewhat above seven years five months before the destruction of Jerusalem. End footnote and commanded him to say the same things to John that he had said before, that if he had any malicious inclination for fighting, he might come out with as many of his men as he pleased, in order to fight, without the danger of destroying either his city or temple, but that he desired he would not defile the temple, nor thereby offend against God, that he might, if he pleased, offer the sacrifices which were now discontinued by any of the Jews whom he should pitch upon. Upon this Josephus stood in such a place where he might be heard, not by John only, but by many more, and then declared to them what Caesar had given him in charge, and this in the Hebrew language. Footnote. The same that in the New Testament is always so called, and was then the common language of the Jews in Judea, which was the Syriac dialect. End footnote. So he earnestly prayed them to spare their own city, and to prevent that fire which was just ready to seize upon the temple, and to offer their usual sacrifices to God therein. At these words of his, a great sadness and silence were observed among the people. But the tyrant himself cast many reproaches upon Josephus, with imprecations besides, and at last added this withal, that he did never fear the taking of the city, because it was God's own city. In answer to which Josephus said thus with a loud voice, To be sure thou hast kept this city wonderfully pure for God's sake. The temple also continues entirely unpolluted. Nor hast thou been guilty of ally impiety against him for whose assistance thou hopest. He still receives his accustomed sacrifices. Vile wretch that thou art. If any one should deprive thee of thy daily food, thou wouldst esteem him to be an enemy to thee but thou hopest to have that God for thy supporter in this war whom thou hast deprived of his everlasting worship, and thou impurest those sins to the Romans, who to this very time take care to have our laws observed, and almost compel these sacrifices to be still offered to God, which have by thy means been intermitted. 
who is there that can avoid groans and lamentations at the amazing change that is made in this city since very foreigners and enemies do now correct that impiety which thou hast occasioned while thou who art a jew and wast educated in our laws art become a greater enemy to them than the others but still john it is never dishonorable to repent and amend what hath been done amiss even at the last extremity thou hast an instance before thee in jaconia the king of the jews footnote our present copies of the old testament want this iconium upon king jaconia or jehoiakim which it seems was in josephus's copy End footnote. if thou hast a mind to save the city who when the king of babylon made war against him did of his own accord to go out of the city before it was taken and did undergo involuntary captivity with his family that the sanctuary might be delivered up to the enemy and that he might not see the house of god set on fire on which account he is celebrated among all the jews in their sacred memorials and his memory is become immortal and will be conveyed fresh down to our posterity through all ages this john is an excellent example in such a time of danger and i dare venture to promise that the romans shall still forgive thee and take notice that i who make this exhortation to thee am one of thine own nation i who am a jew do make this promise to thee and it will become thee to consider who i am that give thee this counsel and whence i am derived for while i am alive i shall never be in such slavery as to forego my own kindred or forget the laws of our forefathers thou hast indignation at me again and makest a clamour at me and reproachest me indeed i cannot deny but i am worthy of worse treatment than all this amounts to because in opposition to fate i make this kind invitation to thee and endeavour to force deliverance upon those whom god hath condemned and who is there that does not know what the writings of the ancient prophets contain in them and particularly that oracle which is just now going to be fulfilled upon this miserable city for they foretold that this city should be taken when someone shall begin the slaughter of his own countrymen and are not both the city and the entire temple now full of the dead bodies of your countrymen it is god therefore it is god himself who is bringing on this fire to purge that city and temple by means of the romans and is going to pluck up this city which is full of your pollutions footnote josephus both here and in many places elsewhere speaks so that it is most evident he was fully satisfied that god was on the roman side and made use of them now for the destruction of that wicked nation of the jews which was for certain the true state of this matter as the prophet daniel first and our saviour himself afterwards had clearly foretold and footnote two as josephus spoke these words with groans and tears in his eyes his voice was intercepted by sobs however the romans could not but pity the affliction he was under and wonder at his conduct but for john and those that were with him they were but the more exasperated against the romans on this account and were desirous to get josephus also into their power yet did that discourse influence a great many of the better sort and truly some of them were so afraid of the guards set by the seditious that they tarried where they were but still were satisfied that both they and the city were doomed to destruction some also there were who watching a proper opportunity when they might quietly get away fled to the romans of whom were the high priests joseph and jesus and of the sons of the high priests three whose father was ishmael was beheaded in cyrene and four sons of matthias 
as also one son of the other Matthias, who ran away after his father's death. Footnote. Josephus had told us before that this fourth son of Matthias ran away to the Romans before his father's and brethren's slaughter, and not after it, as here. The former account is, in all probability, the truest, for had not that fourth son escaped before the others were caught and put to death, he had been caught and put to death with them. This last account, therefore, looks like an instance of a small inadvertence of Josephus in the place before us. End footnote and whose father was slain by simon the son of Giorus, with three of his sons as i have already related many also of the other nobility went over to the romans together with the high priests now caesar not only received these men very kindly in other respects but knowing they would not willingly live after the customs of other nations he sent them to gophna and desired them to remain there for the present and told them that when he was gotten clear of this war he would restore each of them to their possessions again so they cheerfully retired to that small city which was allotted them without fear of any danger but as they did not appear the seditious gave out again that these deserters were slain by the romans which was done in order to deter the rest from running away by fear of the like treatment this trick of theirs succeeded now for a while as did the like trick before for the rest were hereby deterred from deserting by fear of the like treatment three however when titus had recalled those men from gophna he gave orders that they should go round the wall together with josephus and show themselves to the people upon which a great many fled to the romans these men also got in a great number together and stood before the romans and besought the seditious with groans and tears in their eyes in the first place to receive the romans entirely into the city and save that their own place of residence again but that if they would not agree to such a proposal they would at least depart out of the temple and save the holy house for their own use for that the romans would not venture to set the sanctuary on fire but under the most pressing necessity yet did the seditious still more and more contradict them and while they cast loud and bitter reproaches upon these deserters they also set their engines for throwing of darts and javelins and stones upon the sacred gates of the temple at due distances from one another insomuch that all the space round about within the temple might be compared to a burying ground so great was the number of the dead bodies therein as might the holy house itself be compared to a citadel accordingly these men rushed upon these holy places in their armor that were otherwise unapproachable and that while their hands were yet warm with the blood of their own people which they had shed nay they proceeded to such great transgressions that the very same indignation which jews would naturally have against romans had they been guilty of such abuses against them the romans now had against the jews for their impiety in regard to their own religious customs nay indeed there were none of the roman soldiers who did not look with a sacred horror upon the holy house and adored it and wished that the robbers would repent before their miseries became incurable four now titus was deeply affected with this state of things and reproached john and his party and said to them have not you vile wretches that you are by our permission put up this partition wall before your sanctuary have not you been allowed to put up the pillars thereto belonging at due distances and on it to engrave in greek and in your own letters this prohibition that no foreigner should go beyond this wall footnote of this partition wall separating jews and gentiles with its pillars and inscription see the description of temples chapter fifteen End footnote 
have not we given you leave to kill such as go beyond it though he were a roman and what do you do now you pernicious villains why do you trample upon dead bodies in this temple and why do you pollute this holy house with the blood of both foreigners and jews themselves i appeal to the gods of my own country and to every god that ever had any regard to this place for i do not suppose it to be now regarded by any of them i also appeal to my own army and to those jews that are now with me and even to yourselves that i do not force you to defile this your sanctuary and if you will but change the place whereon you will fight no roman shall either come near your sanctuary or offer any affront to it nay i will endeavor to preserve your holy house whether you will or not footnote that these seditious jews were the direct occasions of their own destruction and the conflagration of their city and temple and that titus earnestly and constantly labored to save both is here and everywhere most evident in josephus End footnote. five as josephus explained these things from the mouth of caesar both the robbers and the tyrant thought these exhortations proceeded from titus's fear and not from his good will to them and grew insolent upon it but when titus saw that these men were neither to be moved by commiseration towards themselves nor had any concern upon them to have the holy house spared he proceeded unwillingly to go on again with the war against them he could not indeed bring all his army against them the place was so narrow but choosing thirty soldiers of the most valiant out of every hundred and committing a thousand to each tribune and making Cerealis their commander-in-chief he gave orders that they should attack the guards of the temple about the ninth hour of that night but as he was now in his armor and preparing to go down with them his friends would not let him go by reason of the greatness of the danger and what the commanders suggested to them for they said he would do more by sitting above in the tower of antonia as a dispenser of rewards to those soldiers that signalized themselves in the fight than by going down and hazarding his own person in the forefront of them for that they would all fight stoutly while caesar looked upon them with this advice caesar complied and said that the only reason he had for such compliance with the soldiers was this that he might be able to judge their courageous actions and that no valiant soldier might lie concealed and miss his reward and no cowardly soldier might go unpunished but that he might himself be an eyewitness and able to give evidence of all that was done who was to be the disposer of punishments and rewards to them so he sent the soldiers about their work at the hour forementioned while he went out himself to a higher place in the tower of antonia whence he might see what was done and there waited with impatience to see the event six however the soldiers that were sent did not find the guards of the temple asleep as they hoped to have done but were obliged to fight with them immediately hand to hand as they rushed with violence upon them with a great shout now as soon as the rest within the temple heard that shout of those that were upon the watch they ran out in troops upon them then did the romans receive the onset of those that came first upon them but those that followed them fell upon their own troops and many of them treated their own soldiers as if they had been the enemies for the great confused noise that was made on both sides hindered them from distinguishing one another's voices as did the darkness of the night hinder them from the like distinction by the sight besides that blindness which arose otherwise also from the passion and the fear they were in at the same time for which reason it was all one to the soldiers who it was they struck at 
However, this ignorance did less harm to the Romans than to the Jews, because they were joined together under their shields, and made their sallies more regularly than the others did, and each of them remembered their watchword, while the Jews were perpetually dispersed abroad, and made their attacks and retreats at random, and so did frequently seem to one another to be enemies. For every one of them received those of their own men that came back in the dark as Romans, and made an assault upon them, so that more of them were wounded by their own men than by the enemy, till, upon the coming of the day, the nature of the right was discerned by the eye afterward. Then did they stand in battle array in distinct bodies, and cast their darts regularly, and regularly defended themselves, nor did either side yield or grow weary. The Romans contended with each other who should fight the most strenuously, both single men and entire regiments, as being under the eye of Titus, and every one concluded that this day would begin his promotion if he fought bravely. What were the great encouragements of the Jews to act vigorously were, their fear for themselves and for their temple, and the presence of their tyrant, who exhorted some, and beat and threatened others, to act courageously. Now, so it happened, that this fight was for the most part a stationary one, wherein the soldiers went on and came back in a short time, and suddenly, for there was no long space of ground for either of their fights or pursuits. But still there was a tumultuous noise among the Romans from the tower of Antonia, who loudly cried out upon all occasions to their own men to press on courageously, when they were too hard for the Jews, and to stay when they were retiring backward so that here was a kind of theatre of war, for what was done in this fight could not be concealed either from Titus or from those that were about him. At length it appeared that this fight, which began at the ninth hour of the night, was not over till past the fifth hour of the day, and that, in the same place where the battle began, neither party could say they had made the other to retire, but both armies left the victory almost in uncertainty between them, wherein those that signalized themselves on the Roman side were a great many, but on the Jewish side, and of those that were with Simon, Judas the son of Myrto, and Simon the son of Joseph, of the Idumeans, James and Simon, the latter of whom was the son of Cathlos, and James was the son of Sosas, of those that were with John, Giphtheus and Alexis, and of the zealots, Simon the son of Jairus. 7. In the meantime, the rest of the Roman army had, in seven days' time, overthrown some foundations of the tower of Antonia, and had made a ready and broad way to the temple. Then did the legions come near the first court, footnote, court of the Gentiles, and footnote, and began to raise their banks. The one bank was over against the northwest corner of the inner temple, footnote, court of Israel, and footnote. Another was at that northern edifice which was between the two gates, and the other two, one was at the western cloister of the outer court of the temple, the other against its northern cloister. However, these works were thus far advanced by the Romans, not without great pains and difficulty, and particularly being obliged to bring their materials from the distance of a hundred furlongs. They had further difficulties also upon them. Sometimes by their over-great security they were in, that they should overcome the Jewish snares laid for them, and by that boldness of the Jews, which their despair of escaping had inspired them withal. For some of their horsemen, when they went out to gather wood or hay, let their horses feed without having their bridles on during the time of foraging, upon which horses the Jews sallied out in whole bodies and seized them. 
when this was continually done and caesar believed what the truth was that the horses were stolen more by the negligence of his own men than by the valor of the jews he determined to use greater severity to oblige the rest to take care of their horses so he commanded that one of those soldiers who had lost their horses should be capitally punished whereby he so terrified the rest that they preserved their horses for the time to come for they did not any longer let them go from them to feed by themselves but as if they had grown to them they went always along with them when they wanted necessaries thus did the romans still continue to make war against the temple and to raise their banks against it eight now after one day had been interposed since the romans ascended the breach many of the seditious were so pressed by the famine upon the present failure of their ravages that they got together and made an attack on those roman guards that were upon the mount of olives and this about the eleventh hour of the day as supposing first that they would not expect such an onset and in the next place that they were then taking care of their bodies and that therefore they should easily beat them but the romans were apprised of their coming to attack them beforehand and running together from the neighboring camps on the sudden prevented them from getting over their fortification or forcing the wall that was built about them upon this came a sharp fight and here many great actions were performed on both sides while the romans showed both their courage and their skill in war as did the jews come on them with immoderate violence and intolerable passion the one part were urged on by shame and the other by necessity for it seemed a very shameful thing to the romans to let the jews go now they were taken in a kind of net while the jews had but one hope of saving themselves and that was in case they could by violence break through the roman wall and one whose name was pedanius belonging to the party of horsemen when the jews were already beaten and forced down into the valley together spurred his horse on their flank with great vehemence and caught up a certain young man belonging to the enemy by his ankle as he was running away the man was however of a robust body and in his armor so low did pandanius bend himself downward from his horse even as he was galloping away and so great was the strength of his right hand and of the rest of his body as also such skill had he in horsemanship so this man seized upon that his prey as upon a precious treasure and carried him as his captive to caesar whereupon titus admired the man that had seized the other for his great strength and ordered the man that was caught to be punished with death for his attempt against the roman wall but betook himself to the siege of the temple and to pressing on the raising of the banks nine in the meantime the jews were so distressed by the fights they had been in as the war advanced higher and higher and creeping up to the holy house itself that they as it were cut off those limbs of their body which were infected in order to prevent the distempers spreading further for they set the northwest cloister which was joined to the tower of antonia on fire and after that break off about twenty cubits of that cloister and thereby made a beginning in burning the sanctuary two days after which or on the twenty-fourth day of the forenamed month panemus or tamus the romans set fire to the cloister that joined to the other when the fire went fifteen cubits farther the jews in like manner cut off its roof nor did they entirely leave off what they were about till the tower of antonia was parted from the temple even when it was in their power to have stopped the fire nay they lay still while the temple was first set on fire and deemed this spreading of the fire to be for their own advantage however the armies were still fighting one against another about the temple and the war was managed by continual sallies of particular parties against one another ten 
now there was at this time a man among the jews low of stature he was and of a despicable appearance of no character either as to his family or in other respects his name was jonathan he went out at the high priest john's monument and uttered many other insolent things to the romans and challenged the best of them all to a single combat but many of those that stood there in the army huffed him and many of them as they might well be were afraid of him some of them also reasoned thus and that justly enough that it was not fit to fight with a man that desired to die because those that utterly despaired of deliverance had besides other passions a violence in attacking men that could not be opposed and had no regard to god himself and that to hazard oneself with a person whom if you overcome you do no great matter and by whom it is hazardous that you may be taken prisoner would be an instance not of manly courage but of unmanly rashness so there being nobody that came out to accept the man's challenge and the jew cutting them with a great number of reproaches as cowards for he was a very haughty man in himself and a great despiser of the romans one whose name was pudens of the body of horsemen out of his abomination of the other's words and of his impudence withal and perhaps out of an inconsiderate arrogance on account of the other's lowness of stature ran out to him and was too hard for him in other respects but was betrayed by his ill fortune for he fell down and as he was down jonathan came running to him and cut his throat and then standing upon his dead body he brandished his sword bloody as it was and shook his shield with his left hand and made many acclamations to the roman army and exulted over the dead man and jested upon the romans till at length one priscus a centurion shot a dart at him as he was leaping and playing the fool with himself and thereby pierced him through upon which a shout was set up both by the jews and the romans though on different accounts so jonathan grew giddy by the pain of his wounds and fell down upon the body of his adversary as a plain instance how suddenly vengeance may come upon men that have success in war without any just deserving the same End of Book 6, Chapter 2